Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Praise the sun. No Jordan this week, so we're not going to get his introduction of me, sadly. Uh, episode 120. In terms of what we've been playing, man, I've been going deep into Red Dead Redemption 2, Dom. I've probably put in, like, I would say on average, this isn't every day, but like if I'm averaging it out over the past week, probably like five to six hours a day on Red Dead. Obviously, the weekend kind of bumped those numbers, um, but yeah, it's I've been playing quite a bit of it, and I'm not done with it yet, uh, so I'm not 100%ing it in the terms of like hunting all of the animals, because there's like trophy animals, like special animals you can hunt. I'm not like doing all of that, or all the fish, or any of those things. I'm just making sure to play all of the side missions and main missions, um, and I'm in chapter 6. So in, in Red Dead 2, there's six chapters and two epilogues. And apparently the epilogues are, like, really long. Um, not, like, super long, but, like, long for an epilogue, right? Um, so basically what my plan is, is I looked up what's the... Whenever I play an open world game, I always do this. I always look up what's the last mission where I should have an extra save, right? Um, because spoilers... Oh, yeah, of course. Spoilers, if you remember Red Dead Redemption uh, 1, it's an 8-year-old game. Don't get mad at spoilers. At the end of the game, John Marston dies and you play as his son. And um, so obviously there's a point in that game where you can no longer adventure the open world because the main character is dead. Um, in this game, there is a point of no return in terms of... Not that after you beat the game, you can still explore the open world and do all the stuff I'm kind of um, avoiding right now. But a lot of the Stranger missions... Uh, are no longer available after that mission. And I haven't gotten to that mission yet in Chapter 6. And uh, so what happens is you get to that mission in Chapter 6. I'm assuming it's the last mission in Chapter 6. And then you do the two epilogues, right, that are apparently really long. So my plan is just to create a second save file and then go back to it when I'm done with the game. Um, but it's great. Um, like I said, I'm still avoiding story beats and stuff because I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, but it, it's really good. Still having some issues with, like, the horses and what I will say about this game, and obviously I know you and Jordan are waiting for me to play God of War. I still haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, I'm waiting for hopefully there's a good deal for Black Friday. <coughs> oh yeah, either, like either, twenty bucks I think at a few stores. Uh, I'm hoping for it digitally. I don't like buying physical games. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure it'll be on PSN too, pretty cheap. Hopefully. Anyways, so I'm looking to play that. But with Red Dead, it's definitely the thing where. This is a great game. It's obviously no less than a 9. I'm not going to argue that by any means. And I actually really enjoy the game. I'm not going to go on a hot take city right now. But what I will say is it's the type of game that's trying so many innovative things that obviously not all of them are going to be perfect. You know what I mean? Like when you when you reach that far forward, you're going to have things that don't necessarily click or don't feel right just because they're new technology and it's not it's, it hasn't been perfected yet, right? But that's not to say that them trying it in... in you know accomplishing it in some form isn't also great so that's kind of the 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 weird spot i'm sitting in is that there's so much great about this game but some of the stuff that's great there are issues with it you know what i mean whereas with spider-man that game is obviously people can have nitpicks about the narrative or whatever but for me that game ran fluidly there wasn't any part of the game that was a mechanic or something that was like didn't run right or was weird it was just a very solid game but then the argument with that is like, well, they didn't, did they innovate anywhere? And that's the tough argument is like, well, no, but everything was, in my opinion, like almost flawless. 
But then with Red Dead, it's like, well, yeah, they innovated on a bunch of things, but not all of those things work. So it's, I'm talking about when we talk about like game of the year or our favorite game of the year. That's the tough thing I'm sitting at is they're different. And though Red Dead has more problems to me, quote unquote, than Spider-Man, I don't know if they necessarily knock it down a whole lot because it is innovating so much. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. It's kind of confusing. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that's probably a, a popular take of like, yeah, Red Dead is maybe the much more technically impressive game. Yeah. But Spider-Man was more fun, so to speak. I mean, that was a really simplified maybe version I know of what you mean, you're yeah. trying to say. Um, but same kind of thing where like Spider-Man didn't do anything necessarily like crazy and new or like you actually you might argue like the web swinging in and of itself was like yeah maybe not an innovation but like a really greatly fine-tuned way to traverse that probably haven't seen before um but otherwise it's like yeah like pretty combat is overall like you know kind of like what you'd expected it's really good really polished and stuff and like the story is really good but yeah whereas and i'm it's not speaking from experience whereas red dead seems like it's yeah like you said doing a lot of new kind of crazy technically impressive sort of stuff uh, in comparison but i think that'll probably be a, uh, a common take we're gonna start yeah. hearing come goatee time well and the funny thing is i think though i haven't played it yet obviously hearing yours and jordan's impressions i think god of war somewhere falls in between where like the axe mechanic i was gonna say that next yeah the axe yeah. mechanic is obviously very innovative but there's a lot of things about god of war that aren't necessarily you know pushing boundaries like it's not a true open world um, it hits a lot of things that have just been perfected over this generation of, of video games. So though it has some innovation, it's not like to the extent of Red Dead. So it kind of falls in that middle ground. So maybe then that's where that's a good sweet spot for God of War. You know what I mean? Because there isn't yeah. the argument that it did so much innovation that some of that stuff didn't hit necessarily. And it's not Spider-Man where though Spider-Man was a fantastic game. You can make the argument of like, well, yeah, but what what did it push forward? And like you said, you can make the argument for web swinging. Um, but yeah. it's, I think it's very, all three of those games present something different to the table. Um, I just, for me, I kind of feel bad with Red Dead because as innovative as it is, it, it's weird not saying, oh, that's the best game I've played all year, but innovation doesn't always necessarily mean like the best experience you had. So it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all those game of the year conversations that people like to argue about can like almost always, you can always come to an objective truth and it comes and the way you do that is by being extremely clear on your definitions of yeah. game of the year, right? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you know, most impressive technical game of the year. Well, maybe that's Red Dead. But then, like, the most fun you had in a game in a year, well, that might be this. Or, like, whatever. You know what I mean? When you leave it as ambiguous ambiguous as, like, just best game of the year, like, best or most fun, or that can mean a lot of things, and people are going to take that different ways. So that's kind of – that's my, you know, critique of – yeah community today (laughs) and i think with with the way we do it is we do it very baseline very rudimentary and it's just because a it doesn't really matter at the end of the day but it is cool to see out of us three which one rated the highest and obviously the way we do it is we all make our own personal top 10 list for the the games we played of the year and then it's just a numerical addition system and it's nothing drastic or crazy but it is an easy way to come up with an answer based on all of our own opinions without us like I just think it's very simple and fun. Gotta have guidelines. Yeah. Exactly. If I remember correctly, Dark Souls 3 was our game of the year 2016. Last year was Odyssey, I think. I think it was Odyssey. So I'm interested to see what it is this year. Um, are you going to play and Red the, Dead? The other problem. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was yeah, going to bring okay. up. That's the other problem. 
especially for like game awards i mean people are voting on that and like i mean i know i'm gonna vote but i'm not gonna get around to red dead this year most likely certainly not beating it you know to full completion or whatever and so like that's just simply a flaw in the way that award is going to be given out and that's kind of unavoidable okay never mind because the game awards they give it out they must give out two right like a people's choice one and then kind of the uh the gaming sites critique one or whatever uh no consolidate different outlets i don't have the exact numbers on this so my numbers aren't specific but the way it works is a heavy majority is the game awards judges and then the rest of the percentage is user votes. Oh, okay. So it's like 80-20. So it's, okay. it's like 70-30, okay. 20 It's something like that. It's very heavily weighted that's fascinating. judges. Yeah. So. Because that's, that's kind of the one thing. I, that's the one thing you always wonder. Where like, you know, you hear about, oh, at IGN, they're debating on Game of the Year. And it's like, well, is everyone that's included in that debate, have they played every single game of the that came out that year or whatever? Yeah. That's, that's kind of the flaw of the whole thing. It's an imperfect thing, but, but you, we do the best we can. Exactly, but the thing is that us three, uh, as small as our thing is, we lean into that fact because our lists are based on the things we play. So if all three of us play yeah. a game and love it, then it's gonna dra- it's gonna have more points because all three of us played it. So it's kind of like, you know what I mean? And it's our controlled interest game of the year. It's not like the official game of the year. Like that game awards yeah. has a lot we more get burden to on it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that being said, like I said, I'm having a blast with Red Dead. Uh, Magic the Gathering Arena, it's a recent update came out the day we're recording, and that adds private matches and stuff, so that's really good. The community was asking for those, um, and I know people are like, oh, that's weird, why isn't it in the game automatically? I think people have to remember that, you know, the people who make Magic the Gathering Arena now aren't Blizzard. Like, when Blizzard made Hearthstone, like, Blizzard is known for making high-quality games and having things that fans want. Obviously, they don't always hit the mark on that, but Blizzard has a reputation, Honestly, I can't even name the developer of MTG Arena that's also made the past Magic the Gathering digital versions. It, they Obviously, they it's not uh, Wizards of the Coast. They um, sign it off to somebody else to do it. But I, I knew that these kind of like weird, uh, you know, quality of life additions to the game weren't going to be there at launch. But I'm glad that they heard people being like, why can't I just play my friend on this game? It's dumb. And like, that's our first priority, and they did it. There's actually a bit of controversy because they prioritize getting um, the ability to play games with friends in the game above bringing uh, MTG Arena to um, uh, Apple platforms, um, to iOS, and uh, uh, what the hell is the... Android? No, no, no. iOS and... Uh, it's already on Android. It's going to be on Android. Uh, Mac, there you go. I, the, the platform. Um... Yeah, they prioritize OSX, that over that. Uh, you're right, it's Mac. It's iOS and Mac. And basically what they said is the statement changed from um, coming eventually to basically let us know if you really want it. And that's the whole tough thing too with Mac and iOS is a majority of people don't play video games on that platform. People do play games on there, but there's a reason you see indie titles or games that don't really have all the resources move over and put their games on those platforms because they just don't have the money or it's, there's no point to. They don't see the ROI on it. So, yeah, people are kind of mad about that, but I'm. I think wow. private matches for Windows is more important than putting it on Mac because I, I think they've done the research and there's not a whole lot of Mac users that are looking to play games through Steam or whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'm I can see on that, but. iPad though. I can see iOS being pretty big. I'm with you on Mac. That's not really a high market, high demand market for any games really. 
Yeah, actually, I think I, I think I, I think it was that it's not coming to Mac or Linux, not iOS or Mac. If that makes sense, I think I, okay, I, okay, I, I misspoke. See. Yeah, I might have misheard too. <laughs> yeah, who knows? It they didn't say iOS though, like iPad and and iPhone and Android and stuff like that. Um, they didn't say that it wouldn't be coming there. It was just Mac and uh, I think Linux. Um, yeah, it's pretty much it for me. I didn't play anything else. I've been grinding hard on Red Dead Two. Um, that's pretty much it for me. What about you? Uh, I finished Hyperlight Drifter. I mean, oh wow! Over like a two-day span, I like. I mean, I beat. Um, you get through like the first area and you beat that first boss, and then um, it was just like I expected. It's just like a Dark Soul, Dark Souls, or Bloodborne, where like you get over that first hump, and then you're at that point you're extremely confident and comfortable um, with the mechanics and how the game is playing, and then then you just get sucked in, and then you're just like deep, and you're like, oh, this is good, and you're just dashing around. Um, Certainly, by the time, uh, maybe about halfway through it, I was completely over um, my critique from last week. Like the controls not feeling like it's quite right um, and not quite calibrated. I was, I had definitely gotten over that, and um, I felt like I was pretty damn comfortable, uh, you know, bopping around and dashing and shooting and slashing and all those things you do in that game. It's a fantastic game. I have no idea what the hell went on and what the story was about, really. <laughs> you know um i i mean i get i had i you you pick up like bits and pieces of like oh okay the frog people came and destroyed this village like in so a I'm dark like, souls way or in like a worse way than that it's that but multiplied by 10 okay gotcha so um we talked to, I, me and jordan mentioned this a little bit last week but the the way the narrative is given to you is there's no there's no dialogue not verbal or written at all you and there's very few npcs and you go to talk to them and they basically show you like three pictures of scenes of things that happen and that's it that's this that's how the story is told um and at the very end some things happen after you beat the boss and it's like i I don't really know what that was so um that's i guess that's a weakness of the game um i guess (laughs) you know i didn't mind that but uh, it was super super fun and the the music and the art direction is, was absolutely phenomenal. So I had a ton of fun with that game. Um, and I, I, once I got into it, I just burned through it in like two days. I was just like, must've played six hours um, between two days and just got it done. Cause I was just really feeling it. And cause it's on switch. So it's super uh, accessible and convenient um, yeah. and convenient. Yeah. So I definitely would, I recommend that to like anybody. Um, actually, no, I don't because it's a little difficult. <laughs> um, yeah and because of what i said about the story if like that if that's going to turn you off then like you're not going to like that um but the gameplay is so good and i don't know it's, it was just it's a great game so i had fun with it hyper light drifter ladies and it, gentlemen it's so funny because it plays to my sensibilities a lot it's just hearing the narrative stuff kind of bums me out but that doesn't mean i'm any less likely to buy it personally it's just like a yeah. oh man i wish but it's fine still because it's a gameplay driven game excellent music and you know what it's like there probably is a probably maybe there is an excellent story that they're telling you know yeah but i just don't know about it (laughs) yeah um see you just don't know i guess Uh, i tried to pay a little bit of attention as i was going through and tried to like puzzle you know put some pieces together but i was just kind of like i got parts of it but the overall story i don't really know i don't understand so um yeah that's that it's like i mean you played hollow knight it's it's almost kind of like that, but without the dialogue at all. The dialogue in that game is pretty uh, abstract. 
um, yeah, from a lot of the NPCs. But this is obviously even more abstract, being only pictures. I don't know. It's an interesting. I'll give it to them. Like they tried something new. I, I, I'll give them that. You know, credit for that at least. So yeah, and the interesting thing there too is like Hyperlight Drifter. Most of the environments I've seen, obviously, I haven't played the game. Most of the environments I've seen rely more on stylization as opposed to like detail. Um, whereas like with Hollow Knight, yeah, things, things have a, a very specific aesthetic and they're detailed. It's a very simple aesthetic and it's very detailed through that. Whereas Hyperlight Drifter goes more for style period. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And then the difference between like the, that and Hollow Knight and Dark Souls is like, I think through Dark Souls, through like a 3D scope, you can piece together a lot of that like, fuzzy narrative a lot easier i think i don't know for me personally it's easier to grasp but like i said the you saying that about hyperlight drifter doesn't like turn me away from the game it's just like a eh i mean it sucks but whatever it doesn't you know still a great game is that everything you played did you get oh you finished god of war 3 i forgot about that i was gonna ask you about that but i remember yeah. you finished that a couple of weeks ago yep had already finished that i got fallout 76 uh last night but i still haven't had a chance to actually jump in so more to come next week on fallout 76 the best thing i read the best uh dom review i read for fallout 76 was that uh there was a couple of people actually that said if it doesn't feel like a true follow game that's not the part that's very dumb but it feels like a single player game where you sometimes run into other people which i think is good for you because i know you're not super into multiplayer and you're worried about that uh, whether or not it'd feel like a true single player experience and the people who are playing it alone say it's fine it's great it's not like a traditional mm-hmm. fallout experience but they're having a blast playing by themselves so i'm like oh dope yeah. that's good for dom um, i mean everything that like i've read about it that is you know at least did some kind of critical analysis and not just well jank thesda put out another pile of shit or you know everything i've read yeah. that is actually critiquing it is kind of on in line with what you said the first statement less so that more like it's a fallout game but without you know as compelling as a narrative as a result of no npcs so the quests feel not quite as interesting a lot of the time yeah but everything else about fallout is still there and also there's some people you run into once in a while i don't and know your opinion, it's a weird thing I guess. your opinion to me actually matters more not just because we do a podcast together but me and you share similar views on bethesda in general and we enjoy the games and we understand things are broken we've had the whole discussion about like there's a difference between like broken and just because a game you know launches with problems doesn't mean it's not innovative. I mean you feel the same on a lot of that stuff. So I'm interested to see how you feel about the game specifically. One of the worst criticisms I've heard, one of the worst, and that's not even a hot take, it's just a dumb statement, is people are like, oh, I can't believe they're not getting multiplayer super correct and it's 2018. It's like, well, it's kind of a dumb statement because Bethesda has been a single player developer for a very long time. And this is there for but that's the game studios anyways because um, Elder Scrolls Online isn't uh, made specifically by Bethesda Game Studios. Mm-hmm. It's it's their first foray into like true multiplayer like this, and people are like, "Well, it's 2018. Why can't you just get it right?" It's like, "Well, you wouldn't go to like a sushi chef and be mad when he can't cook you proper fried chicken." Like, you know what I mean? He'd have to learn how to do that yeah. first. So there, and I mean. When, when you have a company, you hire for a specific purpose, and then you learn other things. So it's just weird to me that people are like, "Yeah, I don't know." Yeah, but, and you could even argue the opposite. To me, honestly, I mean, you could find some pretty big examples of, um, I mean, what was it? Was it Battlefield Four or Hardline that when they came out, like the multiplayer was unusable or whatever? There's lots of examples like that of, yeah, you know, studios that are 
normally do giant multiplayer stuff and it at least it launched for a few days or whatever it was all fucked up you know so if this if the game works to be honest i'm already a little bit impressed or or they've already like met my expectation which that's that sounds like well i'm not putting a high enough expectation on them but i expected this to be kind of fucked up at launch because of what you said like they don't do this sort of thing and that thing is really hard even for the folks that are extremely experienced at doing it right so um yeah i'm I'm excited to get started on it uh yeah we'll we'll have more to talk about it on oh oh last thing i wanted to mention is um if you didn't read it yet uh jason schreier put out a really interesting uh little article because a lot of the critiques about the engine Bethesda and other studios the engine yeah. where like he basically doesn't he's not defending the game but he basically is is kind of saying like well I, the definition of an engine is a little more you know abstract and not and not nuanced. necessarily yeah important yeah there's a lot more nuance to it like not necessarily saying that like well you just your, your game's just not good maybe look at it that way instead of it's weird that we pick out specific excuses for the developers and that might not really be the problem whether it is or not um he does a really good job that of word explaining, engine is, is yeah. yeah he does a really good job of explaining like what an engine is and how though two games yeah. can use uh, the same engine they can be drastically different and i was right. i fully agree with them i'm like yeah it's just it's a uh, those hot key hot terms that people like to just throw around to the internet because they're angry exactly and it's, it's so, just an easy thing to say like oh the engine's bucked like and it's so a new engine it's so weird to me because to the two video game companies that take the most heat are EA and Bethesda. And I think EA is deservedly so. They've done a lot of things that are like I, – I, I'm most often an EA apologist on this podcast it seems like. But they have done stuff to like I understand why people feel a certain way. With Bethesda, it's like, yeah, their games launch in not a great state. But they still there's still a reason they, they sell as well as they do and they continue – like. I don't know. It just like I think Bethesda gets the shit out of the stick a lot of the time for, I don't know why. It just they're an easy, I don't know, victim. I don't know. It just it bothers me sometimes. I'm just like, ugh. yeah, I'm with you. Sometimes some of the critiques are like, okay, but now you're just saying that like to to fit in kind of thing almost. I don't know. Yeah, it's just not it, that they're yeah. beyond critique, but exactly. Like I'm not saying you can't critique Bethesda. Just like yeah. The amount of vitriol they get in hate, and I'm like, Jesus. We were talking about before we started recording, before Fallout 76 launched, its user score on Metacritic was 3.2. <laughs> you know what I mean? Insane. Yeah. Insane. Before it launched. Exactly. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I forgot about that article. That's a really good point. That It was a great read. If you yeah. have a chance, go over and yeah. Yeah, Google it. Jason Schreier, Game Engine, Bethesda. Really great read. Um, he actually has a comment about a story we're going to be talking about later. Jason Schreier, all those hot takes. Uh, not hot takes, but... <laughs> um, hot the fir- scoops. Hot scoops. The first bit of news is just, congratulations, PlayStation. Uh, the day of recording this, November 15th, is the five-year anniversary. It came out in 2013 on this date. Um, PlayStation made this cool the infographic. The PS4. The PS4, yeah. Did I just say PlayStation? Sorry. Um, yeah. They made a really cool <laughs> infographic about... Uh, all of the different statistics for the PlayStation 4 over its lifetime. Um, it sold over 86 million units as of September, um, which is really good. It's about where we expected it to be uh, very well, very, very good numbers. Um, its software sales are over 777.9 million units. Just round it up to 778. Just do it. <laughs> Makes things a lot easier. That was of June 2018, so that's not counting Spider-Man and uh, all these other big fall games. So that number's going to skyrocket as well. 
Um, they mentioned like major updates for the PlayStation, which is kind. Of, it's kind of a weird thing. Uh, I, yeah. It's like eleven major updates from one point zero one to six point zero. It's just a very funny thing to have in an infographic, in my opinion. Um, the top five. Best yeah, I, I see what they're. I see what they're trying to say. Support. It doesn't translate well to that graphic, but basically, yeah. like, well, yeah, we, we support it. And I could, I would be curious to be like, oh, like, what did what did the UI look like, you know, on my day one PS4 versus what it looks like now? Oh, it's all in this cool new features, and it all works better. But that doesn't, yeah, in the graphic, it was, uh, it's kind of a weird thing. The one for the 360 is crazy because if you remember the old Xbox slides to what it was at the end of its life cycle, that was insane. Yep. Um, So they have the top five five best-selling games on PS4, all third-party, which is not surprising, obviously. Uh, It's Black Ops 3, Call of Duty World War 2, FIFA 17, FIFA 18, (laughs) and Grand Theft Auto 5. The interesting thing here is four of those five games are about two years old or less. GTA 5 is obviously five years old. Um, so, it's... it's People were trying to make a hot take about, like, well, this is why, you know, exclusives don't really matter. It's like, well, I mean, third-party games are just going to sell really well because they, they're meant to appeal to the widest demographic. You know what I mean? <laughs> and also, soccer is, like, the most popular sport in the world. And Call of Duty sells like hotcakes, so it's not surprising. Um, if there was, like... If there was, like, an Assassin's Creed in that list... Or something that's third party that is is huge, but not like drastically huge. Then I'd be a little surprised. But the fact that it's two FIFA games, Grand Theft Auto, and two yeah. Call of Duty games, it's like, well, duh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Duh. Um, that's that's the shit that like the attach rate is like, you know, extremely extremely high. People, anyone who buys it from any kind of demographic, like you have a PS4, Xbox, then like you do like eighty percent chance you own one of those games or whatever, right? So exactly, yeah, it's, that's not surprising to me. Some people are trying to hot take, and I'm like, it's it's fine, it makes sense. Uh, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. Xboxes wouldn't be much different than than that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so the top five uh, DualShock colors, DualShock Four colors. This one's interesting. Number one is black, which is a weird thing to put on the list because it's the default controller that comes with every console. So it's like, of course, it's going to be one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was like that gray one they made. I didn't look close enough at the graphic then. It so it looks like a. I mean, I'm not familiar with PlayStation. It looks like a black controller. It could be the gray one. I could be wrong. <laughs> I mean, I gave them the benefit. Of, I gave them the benefit of the doubt that they wouldn't put the black one on there because of what you just said. <laughs> but maybe yeah. they. I don't know. That would be silly if that's what it was. Uh, two is the 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 blue one, the like the darkish blue one. Um, three is the red one, the bright red one. Four is the white one, and five is the camo one. Which I've always thought camo looks ugly on controllers and stuff and Horrible. consoles. Horrible. Yeah, I've never been a fan. But uh, the most popular titles. So this is I'm assuming it's based on number of players. I would assume, right? Because mm, then the next yeah, one's most sense. downloaded. So most popular is the most players. Uh, number one is like a host of Call of Duty games. Uh, then it's FIFA 17, FIFA 18. You seeing a trend? Grand Theft Auto 5 and Fortnite. None of those are surprising. Naturally. Once again, yeah. probably the same on Xbox. <laughs> um, yeah. Most downloaded games. So obviously this isn't uh, purchases necessarily. It's just the games that were downloaded the most. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Uh, Destiny 2. Uh, Dead by Daylight, which is very surprising and really cool to see. Just Cause 3 and Mafia 3. Those last three, were they on PS Plus? That the entire list... That that's all on PS Plus, so that's oh, why. Oh, okay. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Yep. So they're the most. <laughs> so all of them are on PlayStation Plus, but they were the ones that were downloaded the most out of all of the ones that were on it. So, wait, what is the category called again? Or how did most they downloaded them? and it has the now that I'm reading it twice, it does have the PlayStation Plus logo. So that's what it is. Okay. It's like all these, all the out of all the games that were available uh, on PlayStation Plus over the course of the PS4's lifetime, yeah. these were the ones that were downloaded the most. So I, I hate to deflate your excitement over Dead by Daylight or. Was that what you said that you were like? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's really not that interesting anymore when you know that. <laughs> well, I mean, but do you think it's the fifth best game that's been on PlayStation Plus? So it being in well, the top five no, downloaded is impressive, though, right? There's it is still is a little impressive. <laughs> okay, there's still something there. I won't completely deflate you. Yeah, because um, like Bloodborne and Ratchet and Clank were on PS Plus and God of War Three Remastered. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, you're right. There there were some other good PS Plus titles that I would personally say it should be but higher than that then there's um, the counter argument to that of like a lot of those games maybe got purchased and didn't have as many downloads because they had been purchased by the time they got on on playstation plus whereas no. maybe not a lot of people Black got Ops dead 3, by though. daylight uh mm. valid point yeah, hmm. yeah it's, unless it's they weren't unless they were counting like total downloads of black ops 3 and not just ps plus ones maybe that's a cheat be, though I yeah know. i don't know um that sounds like a cheat yeah like I was interesting like, list to see though i'm like oh cool and then you're like no and then i was like well and you're like oh yeah <laughs> that's really funny uh and this is the weirdest one in the uh, on the infographic the rarest ps4 model which is obviously the 500 million limited edition navy blue one it's a very weird thing to have on it it's like the rarest I one mean, it's funny I, w- I would challenge i mean they obviously know better than i, do, but I would challenge that because exactly that yeah. had to be rarer it's way more expensive and harder to find i would think but i mean they know how many they made so i guess it's not just you know marketing for it i don't know yeah and this one specifically and you can I maybe i'm dumb on this this one specifically is the one with the playstation i did all of those come with the playstation i that playstation 4 pro limited edition the navy blue did all of them come I with the think PlayStation so I? Okay. I think so because it was like 500 bucks, but then they're like, oh, but it comes with the eye. Gotcha. Good. Yeah. Cool. I couldn't wait to get that bundle. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's it's just a weird thing. Anyways, yeah. congratulations, PS4. You've been around for five years. Possibly only going to be around for seven. We'll talk about that later. Um, mm. But yeah, I thought it was an interesting thing. It's cool to celebrate. Um, they took this generation by storm because Xbox is like, oh, you messed up on PS3, hold my beer, and then PlayStation 4 is like, you know, we're going to run away with it. And they've done a really good job. Um, the first couple of years, they didn't really have a whole lot of exclusives, but then obviously they didn't matter because after that point, probably the last, what, four, four or five years, we've had a steady stream of really great PlayStation exclusives on the PS4. So, yeah, good console, great console. I finally have one. I'll end up having to trade it in soon for the next, <laughs> the PS5, but we'll see. Um yeah. The next bit of news, we mentioned Destiny 2 is actually one of the most downloaded games for PlayStation Plus. Uh, Colin Stevens over on IGN wrote about how during an investor's uh, earnings conference call, Activision revealed that despite its perceived MPD success in September, Destiny 2 has underperformed. Uh, they stated it did not meet their commercial expectations and that there is still a lot of work to do in order to re-engage the core Destiny fan base fully. The COO of Activision, Cody Johnson, went on to say, We have not yet seen the full core re-engage in Destiny, which has led to the underperformance against our expectations to date. Some players we think are still in wait-and-see mode. When you're in, you're deeply engaged, and if you're not, you're hoping. Uh, we're hoping now is the time. We're working to bring players back in and win them back. 
I think this has a lot to do with what happened with Destiny 1 and how it kind of repeated itself literally in Destiny 2. Um, I think what they're also not taking into account is the fact that though Forsaken is seen as a big win for Destiny 2, in order to get into Forsaken, you have to buy the previous two DLCs that were critically panned and not very good. So basically Activision and Destiny were telling you, in order to get the good DLC, you have to buy these two bad ones that no one wanted. Um, and if I'm somebody who fell out of love with Destiny 2, why would I spend money on things I don't want that's pushing me away? As good as I hear Forsaken being, I'm not going to want to spend money on things I don't want. So it's like, why would I spend $60 for a piece of DLC and two others I don't want when I can spend that money on one of the big fall titles coming out like Red Dead, right? Or Spider-Man or something else. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think about this whole situation? Is it surprising that it's underperforming? What does this mean for Destiny 3? Like, what do you think? I mean, surprising, I not so much, because they probably had, like, sky-high expectations that they wanted it to meet, right? Um, yeah. I would bet, you know, from, like, a purely, you know, budget point of view, like, development budget, it obviously, like, made that back probably, and then some. But, it, you know, even if it made a bunch of money... They probably wanted to make you know a bunch bunch more uh, so it's not necessarily surprising it's surprising that we hear about it like that i guess a little bit um that's not good for their case <laughs> to be honest um but yeah i was with i'm with you on that their early strategy for that dlc of like oh you gotta buy the previous ones to get forsaken that that to me is like that's a hard ne- fuck no frankly yeah. that that's like no absolutely not that's horrible like kind of design and plan um whereas on the other side as of late i mean like we mentioned that game was free on ps plus and it's been i want to say it was free on like uh, pc on like battle net or whatever it's called recently also and then it's like constantly on sale for like five bucks they did a lot of free weekends so that like the base game is essentially free for all intents and purposes um obviously that's like well let's get you know let's give it to people and then they'll buy that dlc so that i thought was a really good strategy um as of late but i don't know i mean it, as far as what that means for them going forward i, I well i don't know man i i never got too far into that game or destiny 2 i didn't really play at all actually um but one i was kind of like beat the campaign was hard out i don't know so it never really cl- totally clicked with me the whole appeal of it but I don't know. It's it's destiny, and it's gonna continue to exist for ten years, right? That's the plan. Well, the third one is a lot is gonna be the last one in the ten year plan, um, and apparently, this isn't in the story by Colin Stevens, but this was like conjecture elsewhere. Apparently, the race the relationship between Bungie and and Activision has been frayed since the first game, um, because if you remember, the first game. Uh, got scrapped like I think it was like 15 months before it was supposed to come out and they had to start again from scratch and there was a big old thing that happened because Activision didn't believe that. in it yeah the game Shit. got scra- the original vision got scrapped I doubt all assets were scrapped obviously um, but yeah they had to turn it around really quickly um, and apparently their their relationship has been frayed for a long time so after this deal is done with Destiny it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Bungie Personally, I would love to them to go back and do another partnership with Microsoft because I really like Bungie. Um, I, I love the first three Halo games. I mean, I, I like four. I haven't played five. Um, but it's yeah, it's, it's weird. Uh, in terms of Destiny 3, I think it'll sell well. I just think this is partially a reality check for Activision. And Destiny 1 released in a different environment with games. I mean, right now, Dom, Forsaken came out in September. 
we have Anthem coming out in February of next year and Division 2 coming out. You know what I mean? On top of Red Dead Redemption 2 with its online mode, on top of Call of Duty Black Ops 4 having its own Battle Royale, I just think that people are oh, Fallout 76, Fallout 76. Fallout 76, exactly. I mean, it doesn't matter how well <laughs> or bad that game reviews, Fallout games sell well. They just do. Look at the numbers. Uh, we'll see for this one. I think I don't think it will be uh, top 10 in PD at the end of the year. Easy. Top 10? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, probably. Yeah, not, not top yet. 5. Uh, not, not a chance, but I think it will be top 10. No. Uh, just marketing money alone. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, with so with gamers, I just I think it's a thing of like, why would I pay sixty bucks on something that's turned the game around? And I agree with you, them making it cheap or at least free for a long time now. Um, I think you can get it until November thirtieth on uh, uh, Blizzard.net. It just I don't think fans want to pay money for things they don't want to get something they do want. Um, mm-hmm. And this is twice a Destiny's burned people. Destiny one came out. Didn't have enough content for people. A couple of DLCs were bad. Third one turned the game around, made it a fantastic game. Coming into Destiny 2, people are like, well, Destiny 1 ended on a high note. They're going to have all that great stuff we love and then just add on top of that. And then Destiny 2 was a stripped-down game. It was actually a Destiny 1 clone. Not clone in the sense of the same game, but a lot of the same issues, right? First two DLCs came out, didn't fix anything. Third DLC came out, it's a brand new game. It's meeting all of these expectations. It's fantastic. If you're a gamer, why would you live through that twice? You know what I mean? It's it's difficult and it's frustrating. It's like why would I burn myself twice when I can go play all these other games? So yeah. I mean, just go play Fallout 76. And like you said, Activision doesn't publish games to make a small profit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they publish yeah. games to make large profits. Right. So I do think this game made its money back and it's been profitable, but they weren't aiming for you know 10, 20 percent. They're aiming for tripling their profits, doubling their profits. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have seen as much stuff as EA gets, Activision has had some stuff happen over the last couple of years with macrotransactions and stuff that, especially with Destiny 2 as well, um, where you can tell that they're trying to squeeze this orange of all of its juice. And uh, I, I would say, giving all of these reports, I think after Destiny 3, I don't think there will be another Bungie Activision partnership. I just don't. If anything, I think yeah. Bungie's going to be like, let's do our own thing. Because it, yeah. it doesn't seem like it's worked out well for them. If if what you said about their relationship kind of becoming frayed, even like a little bit, like you're rather, I don't know where you heard that, but if the extent of that is to what, it, God damn, I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense that that's been going on, um, and if yeah, if that continues and like if they're considered, if this game was considered as underperforming, that's not going to help. Uh, especially that message becoming public, that's not going to help that relationship. Um, I would I would make the same bet as you just did. Where after Destiny three, maybe we see Bungie go do their own thing, or who knows what. Or I mean, the you gotta prepare the unfortunate possibility that the, the they just close. I guess is possible. I well, don't I think, really see that happening. But I don't think Bungie is in a financial like a financial spot where they need to close. I think they partner with Activision for marketing purposes. I think Bungie could have probably made their own games. Maybe not Destiny because I think it takes a huge budget. But I, th- mm-hmm. I think they'll be fine afterwards. It just depends on what they want to do. They would be... I could easily see them getting acquired by Microsoft as well, given their pre- previous relationship. The Halo partnership didn't end because of... Yeah, uh, why did of, that end? It didn't end in a porno. Bungie just wanted to do their own thing. Um, they, they enjoyed doing Halo, but they kind of wanted to do their own thing. And basically what Microsoft said is like, hey, we partnered with you for Halo. 
if we were to have you do something other than Halo, I don't we don't think it'd be a, a smart partnership. So then Bungie's like, well, we kind of want to do our own thing. And they're like, well, our deal's done after this. Let's just go our separate ways. From what I've read, it didn't end on bad blood. Huh. Um, who's to say if they ever want to go back to Microsoft? I'm not saying it's all chipper, but it's not like bad. In terms of the uh, their relationship being frayed, Bungie and Activision, it was journalists talking about anonymous developers from both Activision and uh, Bungie. It was like an anonymous person at Bungie has told me their relationship has been frayed since Destiny 1. Sure citing that their vision for the game was different from what Activision wanted. A lot of the stuff that Activision implemented was because they didn't feel it appealed to enough of a general audience. Those kind of things that you hear from big publishers. Well, that's the kind of stuff, though. We're, we're dragging on about this, but that's the kind yeah. of stuff where, like, you could get one account from, like, you know, the, the, the best business partnerships in the world that were extremely successful. Like, yeah, every so often, I'm sure there were some people in boardrooms dropping f-bombs and cussing each other out yeah but at the end of the day like it could still be a good relationship so like maybe you had even multiple accounts you know of, of reports like of this there's bad things going on they're not agreeing that doesn't necessarily you know tell the whole story i guess you never really know yeah we actually have two big stories to get to um one of them i think will will flow through pretty nicely there's a lot of news to get through but i don't think there's a lot of stuff we need to say about it and the last one is a bombshell that we'll get to um XO18 news. So XO18 happened. Um, obviously, I think expectations were weird on this because Xbox didn't set the expectations to be super high. They did say there will That's be some announcements. Yeah, and I was fine going into it. I was like, there's going to be some studio announcements, maybe one big announcement, and that's completely it, right? Yeah. yeah. Some people hyped it up and thought it was going to be PSX of old, not PSX of new, and all of this different stuff. I was fine with it. I thought it was a good show. It was exactly what I expected. Um, some people were disappointed, but honestly, I think that's more on them. I'm not trying to be pro Xbox or anything, but I don't think they necessarily overhyped the event at all. Um, that being said, I want to get into some of the announcements. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer. We got our first look at Winnie the Pooh and 100 Acre Woods in Kingdom Hearts 3. That's cool because Winnie the Pooh has been in all three ma mainline games. Well, you know, the first two. So this is really cool for people to see. 100 Acre Woods, one of the biggest complaints for that level, that world, is that there's never really much to do in it. And in Kingdom Hearts 3, it looks like there's going to be a bunch of mini games and some cool stuff that they added in. Uh, they showed off, I just wrote down mobile fluffy guy. I was hoping Jordan would be on this week. But one of the fluffy characters from the mobile, one of the mobile Kingdom Hearts games is in this game. Uh, you see Sora go down and like talk to him. So people were kind of excited because that means that mobile games technically canon. Which people were worried, I guess it wasn't. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know if you played the game with that little mobile fluffy guy in it, Dom. No, yeah, no, it's I did a, not. De definitely a Jordan question. Uh, so he was in it. Um, Crackdown 3. It showed cloud-based multiplayer, uh, this new game mode called Wrecking Zone. It's completely destructible environments from top to bottom. It actually moved its release date up. People were fearing it was going to get delayed and yada, yada, yada. It actually went from the 22nd to the 15th which is good for it. Um, I was hoping it wouldn't get delayed. I didn't think it was going to get delayed. February is a bad month to release. But I do think Phil Spencer at this point is like, we just need to get this game out. Um, I honestly don't even think they expect it to review critically well. I think it'll probably be like a 7. Um, I hope it's higher, don't get me wrong. But I just think Phil Spencer and the team over there is at the point where we've done as much as we can. We just need to get this game out and move on past it. Um, I do think it'll be a fun game. 
Uh, one of the things they did announce that's really cool is that you can get Crackdown for free up until November 30th via backwards compatibility, and it has Xbox One X enhancements, which is really cool. Um, they kind of strayed away from mentioning Crackdown 2, um, which is the the worst of the two games out of Crackdown and Crackdown 2. Um, it looked They showed multiplayer. They didn't really show single player. They had a really cool Terry Crews commercial. I'm not probably... Well, oh yeah, I just forgot. The cool thing, it's coming out on Game Pass. I yeah. don't even have to worry about buying it, so I can play you it. You can try it for free, or free, so to speak, but yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, did you watch X-18 at all, Dom? I did not. I read a few summaries or whatever, but okay. I didn't actually see the trailer for this. But it sounds, I mean, from what you just described, especially like the multiplayer trailer, um, I don't know, that sounds pretty cool. I, I have nothing going for this game. I don't care about it yeah. in the slightest. Um and then obviously a lot of like in general has been doubted just <laughs> of everything it could possibly do has been doubted but that sounded pretty cool how you did like a, a multiplayer kind of um everything's fully destructible finally got that cloud engine whatever <laughs> the hell you know seems like that's going as a part of this it, it sounds like it could be fun um like a solid game i mean it can't be anything less than that because like they could have put it out probably a year or two ago to fives and sixes but i can't imagine that that would still happen it seems like they took the time to make this at least solid and good yeah and so the multiplayer mode it's really cool because it's like a bunch of skyscrapers and literally everything in the map is destructible and they show it and it's really awesome the shooting mechanics of it aren't great crackdown's never been known for being a a top tier shooter um but i do think with it being on game pass i think it's one of those games that it'd be cool to download just to check out that stuff. That's one of the things, going to the Red Dead argument, the Red Dead is obviously a very good game. Crackdown is, that's innovation. Like a completely cloud-based that's multiplayer map. Yeah. It may not be a, a 10, but the innovation is still interesting. Mm-hmm. And that innovation could lead to a 10 down the road, maybe not a Crackdown game, but something else using that cloud-based uh, technology. So who knows? Well, and, and frankly, this is another great game that like Game Pass could propel it into something exactly. it wouldn't have done otherwise. I mean... Look at Fortnite or whatever, like that. I mean, I would never have guessed that would be as popular as it is. Like, it sounds dumb. Exactly. And Crackdown seems like a little bit of the opposite. Instead of building, you're destroying structures. I guess is one take. <laughs> but I could just see Crackdown becoming like a. And obviously, it's a bit limited because it's only on Xbox and PC in this sense. But I could see this being like a bunch of people try it and like it could blow up a little bit. Um, like people just going in there and screwing around and tearing down buildings and whatever. I could see that just having like that kind of appeal of a kind of a community type, community type of game that i don't know yeah it could get big i could see it well and the thing is that phil spencer during xo18 which i won't mention in our, our listing of announcements he said that games are actually selling better uh when they're on game pass like sea of thieves stated to k forza they're actually we heard the news remember the sales numbers for forza horizon 4 their games are selling better even though they're on game pass because it's it's a word of mouth marketing Crackdown right. 3, I think, will financially do well because it's on Game Pass, which means that if we're seeing the trends, it'll sell better than what they expect, um, or previous entries anyways. And having Terry Crews in your commercials, I think, is a pretty good get. Like, people yeah. see, a, oh, yeah. see a video game with Terry Crews in it, they're like, I want to check that out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it'll either lead it'll either lead to more Game Pass subscriptions or people purchasing Crackdown 3 or both, which is huge. Mm-hmm. So... The game I'm, Pass is like is exactly what this game needed. I mean, exactly. if this got put out at sixty dollars, and that's it, I would be like, you know, that that's gonna be tough for it to find some success at that. I would bet. Uh, but Game Pass, like, I I don't know. I could see it. I could see it happening for it. Well, and the crazy thing is, I, I think I think Days Gone will be a better game than Crackdown Three, 
But Days Gone, if it was an Xbox exclusive as opposed to a PlayStation exclusive, I think that's a perfect Game Pass game too because it's a game that's been, I wouldn't say mocked, but like people have been worried about that game. There have been questions about that game. And I think that's a game that you put on an online service and people can play it and it astounds people, right? Um, yeah, yeah there's some similarities there. I see that. Yeah, I think Days Gone will be a better game, hopefully anyways, than Crackdown 3, but who knows? We'll see. Um, they announced 16 Game Pass uh, announcements for games coming out uh, by the end of the year. They included Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, I didn't list all of the games because a lot of them were just like, oh, those are cool indie games, kind of just building out the roster for Game Pass. Um, but it was cool that they had that many announcements. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there was... There was a couple of games that are actually going to launch on Game Pass, indie games, which was huge. Going, oh, cool. to, going to that point, uh, I didn't even put this on the listing, but they announced Winner of Arcade which is their promotion Summer of Arcade coming back, but in winter form. They didn't announce any of the games. They said watch the Game Awards, which we'll probably see the announcement there. If I was a betting man and you told me what games are going to be on Winter of Arcade, I really think it's going to be Below, which we've been waiting for forever from Cappy Games. I think it's going to be Ashen, if you remember. That's like the weird artistic Dark Souls game. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be Ooblitz, which is the really cute Pokemon kind of vegetable game. And I think it's going to be Tunic which is that really stylized, isometric Fox game, Fox Zelda. Um, I would say those are the four games that are going to make it in. If you're not familiar with Summer of Arcade, it was a promotion for indie games. Uh, Limbo launched on that. And the way it worked, Castle Crashes as well, is for every indie game you purchase, you would get discounts or rewards for the next purchase. So it incentivized you to buy multiple games in the promotion, which is really smart. It led to more sales of those indie games, it led to a bigger bulk of people purchasing them because they're like, well, if I buy one, then I get this in like 50% off. Uh, it's a really good promotion. I'm glad to see it return. It gets me excited because that means that they're willing to go back and reach in and get some of these old promotions they've done and bring them to the light. So we'll see what happens. I, I just think it was a cool announcement. Um, yeah, definitely. They announced the Arena for Sea of Thieves, which is a separate fast-paced game mode for treasure hunting. Cool. Keep adding stuff to Sea of Thieves. They announced the Z100 DLC for State of Decay 2, which adds a crossbow and a bunch of gear and other cool announcements, uh, including that there's going to be some kind of update where you get a return to the map of the first State of Decay, which State of Decay 2 fans are really excited about because people love that game. It was a cult classic. Uh, and the big news, at the end of the day, two big acquisitions. The thing that sucks, and I think this lends, lends itself to the hype thing we were talking about earlier, is we knew about the Obsidian acquisition about two weeks ago, thanks to Jason Schreier, and it kind of took the wind out of the sails in terms of it being exciting. I think if that didn't happen, it'd have, it would have had a lot larger of a pop, and people would be like, oh, yeah. that's a crazy announcement. But because we knew about that, people took that as if it was Microsoft's fault, and they like owed us more announcements because of that. It's not Microsoft's fault that leaked. Well, I mean, you know what I mean by that. <laughs> Might have yeah. been a Microsoft employee, but you know what I mean. Um, but they did announce the acquisition of Exile, uh, in Exile, sorry, Entertainment, who does Wasteland and Bard's Tale, and they um, purchased Obsidian Entertainment, who's known for South Park Stick of Truth, arguably the best Fallout game, Fallout New Vegas, Pillars of Eternity 1 It is the best Fallout game. Just <laughs> You can take out the arguably. So, so Obsidian is a very talented... I would say Obsidian's the better of the two. Nothing against NXL, but obviously Obsidian has a really good track record. Um, I think they're probably going to be handling something more, more high budget. I think Microsoft's feeding them a little bit more money. Whereas In Exile, I think, is going to be handling the mid-tier, more game passy games. And I'm not saying that as a slight. You know what I mean by that. Um, a quicker turnaround, you know, not, not huge-scale games, but quality-style games. Um, 
you know, most people kind of scoffed at the NXIL purchase, but I wanted to bring up uh, that Wasteland 2, um, which was their last release, had an 81 on Metacritic. So though many people might not have ever heard of Wasteland 2, it did review pretty well. 81's pretty solid for a mid-sized studio. And Bard's Tale reviewed uh, decently well as well. So like they, they do, they average between 80 and 85 for a studio. So not like top tier industry leading, but very solid games. And they already have Wasteland 3 scheduled for release in 2019. This was before the Microsoft uh, acquisition. So it's a purchase that will see immediate return because Wasteland 3 Microsoft's not going to cut off development on a game that's supposed to be releasing next year. Um, so that'll automatically be... That'll probably be the earliest return, right, on investment is we're going to get Wasteland 3 first from all of these studios that they purchase. So Maybe yeah, you wonder. Maybe we have I mean, a few DLC. Maybe. Oh yeah. I don't know. Good Sorry. Point. You assume then, like, Wasteland 3 is... I don't What consoles is that coming out on? Just PC? No. Right Wa- Wasteland 2 came out on consoles as well. Like, at least came out on Xbox. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I know... It, it, I think it's everywhere now. It's even on Switch. Um, yeah. But I, I wasn't sure if the Wasteland Three was if was that announced for just PC, and then uh, or was it announced for everything? Or I wasn't sure. Basically, it would just be interesting if we get another Minecraft or like another game that Xbox is publishing that is on PlayStation or whatever. So according <laughs> it's to its according to its Wikipedia page, which is 100% accurate, um, its listed platforms are PS4, Xbox One, Windows, Linux, and Mac. Okay. So even they did announce it for close to everything. Even though I shit on Mac earlier, yeah, it's still coming right. out too. There yeah. you go. Well, that's a very – Wasteland is a very PC game. So I, it makes more sense, I guess, in that one than like something else. No. And the crazy thing is definitely one of those games that I personally probably wouldn't purchase um, based on budget. But it's coming to Game Pass, <laughs> which means I'll be oh, able yeah. to play it. Yeah. Um, I think uh, w- the one thing I'd point out on this one is uh, Wasteland 2 – well, for one, actually, I'll start by saying, like, we talked about this before with Obsidian when it was just a rumor, but that's a studio that, what's its next game? Is it going to have budget and backing to make it? I don't know. It's kind of, like, iffy. They make great games, but, you know what I mean? They're not not, not necessarily to a fault, you know, in the quality of their games, but they're, they're a studio that's kind of like, I don't know, are they going to be able to get something out with enough budget, right? Yeah. Um, and then in, in Exile... If I'm, I'm pretty darn confident that Wasteland 2 was uh, uh, Kickstarter funded or something yes. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I thought so. So that's a similar kind of boat. It seemed like they made enough money that you know they went ahead and started with Wasteland 3 anyway. But that's that same kind of similar boat where like they might not be able to exist for you know decades. It sounds crazy thinking that long, but you know they might not be able to exist and make game after game without. Um, you know, without something like this happening and Microsoft buying them. So I think in this case, it's hard for me to, like, I think it would be hard for someone to find a negative about Microsoft acquiring these studios. Cause it's like, you just, you're getting something out. You're going to get more games from them that you, there's a good chance you might not have gotten a lot of games from them. Otherwise, basically. Yeah. That makes sense. The man, a purchase that I would love for them. Cause often we talk about these bigger companies and it seems like Microsoft is getting some of those bigger companies, but they also want to get these like mid tier guys that maybe are struggling to, Survive or just want more financial backing and security. That was the whole thing with uh, what's the Hellblade developers? Uh, Ninja Ninja Theory. Ninja. Um, yeah. They talked about like we we're a we're a bad project away from not existing. That's terrifying. Exactly. Yep. For as talented as a studio is, one one studio that I I'm interested to see what happens with them and maybe they might fall into Microsoft's lap is Stoic Studio, the guys behind Banner <coughs> Saga. All three of their games oh. are are f- crowdfunded. Banner Saga one two three. All got tremendous reviews. I definitely need to get back to Banner Saga One. Um, 
have you ever played Banner Saga? No. Man, that would be a great Game Pass game for you specifically because I don't want to go out of my way and say – they review very well, obviously, but I don't want to go out of my way and say you need to buy it or whatever. But they are a very beautiful game. They're very – like if you're into like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, it definitely hits all of those notes. Um, the gameplay solid, like the, the strategic um, role-playing. It just – they'd be a studio that I wonder if they ever do see some tough times if they might be, get picked up because they're talented as hell. Like their art design is – very good um yeah i think that's pretty much it for the xbox news uh like i said there wasn't any major announcements but those studio acquisitions are pretty important especially with game pass uh and obviously the future of xbox as we lead into the next generation speaking of the esa accidentally or maybe on purpose revealed that sony is skipping e3 2019 so this comes away with kotaku.com by jason schreier of course so a press release was uh given out today by the ESA, which is the uh, Entertainment uh, Software Association, regarding E3 2019 and what people can expect for the trade show next year. And Sony wasn't listed. So obviously people started asking the ESA, well, is PlayStation not going to be at E3 2019? And they're like, yeah, they pulled out of the show. And obviously a bunch of headlines went up. Sony's not going to be at E3. Sony's not going to be at E3. And Sony's sitting back like, we didn't know this was supposed to be announced yet. Uh, so they came out with a statement. And I'll read this to you now. As the industry evolves, Sony Interactive Entertainment continues to look for inventive opportunities to engage in the community. Uh, this is by, you know, just Sony's their statement that they gave to Polygon. PlayStation fans mean the world to us, and we always want to innovate. Think different and experiment with new ways to delight gamers. As a result, we have decided not to participate in, E3, uh, in E3 in 2019. We are exploring new and familiar ways to engage our community in 2019 and can't wait to share our plans with you. Now, this came out, it was Hot Take City, it was Interpretation City, you have people thinking that this means PS5 is going to happen at PSX 2019, you have people saying that Sony's done with E3, they're never coming back, you have people saying, oh, Sony doesn't have the, the, um, the number of games, exclusive games or new announcements to show at E3, so they're just going to take the L on it. A bunch of different opinions. Obviously, we can talk for hours and hours about those. What I want to do is give our baseline feelings, my baseline feelings, Dom's baseline feelings, and then talk about what we think the repercussions will be for this. So, my feelings are, I feel that it's a mix of them not having the portfolio that they feel, because Sony is a very proud company, and I think that they personally feel that they don't have the portfolio of new announcements to have an E3 that would excite people, on top of the fact, in addition to, they're, getting, they're ramping up for PlayStation 5, and I think that they feel that instead of spreading too light on events, that they kind of want to hold the cards close to their chest and come out swinging in 2020. I am also of the belief that I don't necessarily think that this guarantees that PSX 2019 is going to A, happen, or B, revolve around PS5. If I were to give you my prediction and my belief... It's that they, they're missing out on E3 2019. They're not going to do PSX 2019. Spring of 2020, they're going to have the PS5 reveal event. They're going to showcase Last of Us and Death Stranding and Ghost of Tsushima. I think Ghost of Tsushima might be a PS5 game, but I think the other two are guaranteed to be cross-platform, cross-gen. I think they're going to show them running on the new stuff because who doesn't want to see Last of Us running on PS5? Like, Jesus. Um... And then as I do, Jesus does want to see that. As G yes, I do think they will be at E three twenty twenty, 
and then I do think they'll release the PS5 in 2020 in the fall, and I do think there will be a PSX 2020. That's how I see everything. What about you, Don? Yikes. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't have like a crazy – I'm not super convicted of anything here. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it could be a lot of – there's a lot of different ways you could, you know, die on a hill and say like this is probably it and that's the only reason. Or you could say it's a mix of things. There's just a lot. Let's start at one There's point. A lot going on. I could. I, we could start. At, well, since you, you don't have a definitive thing, I, I'll ask you some questions. You just tell me where you, not where you think it is, but where you feel Good. most likely. I, okay? I need the structure. Thank you. Okay. One. Do you feel this is PlayStation saying, "Hey, we're not ever going back to E3," or do you think this is a "We're just skipping E3 this year"? No matter the purpose or the point, do you think it's them skipping E3 this year, or do you think it's them saying bye bye to E3 forever? Uh, well, I, I'm 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 a shitty like hot take person because like I, it's neither because to me like maybe they're considering saying bye bye forever and maybe that's the plan now they're never gonna say that yeah. right but they might be considering that but right now they they could be just playing it like okay we're just gonna stop this for now see how that goes maybe and then you know make a new decision on next year and next year maybe it ends up being they never go back um, but I doubt they they're never gonna definitively say like we're not doing this anymore it's My- gonna be a year to year thing where they make decisions right. Yeah, my one thing I will say is that people are comparing this to possibly what Nintendo does. The thing is, is Nintendo holds directs throughout the year, but they still make sure to show up at E3 nowadays. Like, they right. still make a point yeah. to be at E3. And so, though Sony has sold the most consoles this generation, I don't think that... I ver- I think it's a very hyperbolic statement to, to believe that Sony's like, we're above all of this, we could just... we You know what I mean? They're That's a very, little much too, yeah. Yeah, they're a very business-oriented company. And if Nintendo mm-hmm. is seeing the value in being at E3 and Microsoft is seeing the value in being at E3, I do think there is value at being at E3. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll give you – okay, I'll, I think you you probably got more questions, but I'll give you some of the points I think you're going to eventually get to anyway. Okay. Uh, one, um, first and foremost, like they're not – so say the budget they would have used for marketing you know, for E3, that's not just disappearing – Exactly. Yes. They're going to do something else or some things else. Absolutely. Right. Um, The lack of their lack of presence at E3 will be replaced in some way. Right. Maybe at a different point in the year. But yes. Yeah. It will go somewhere. Yes. I don't know exactly what. uh, And to me, that's getting too specific. And like I said, I'm a boring hot tech person, so I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) It could be a combination of things. And and then, like I said before, that might be something they try for a year, see how it goes, and then continue to make decisions each following year, whatever. Um, so definitely there's something else. Is that something else, a separate conference around PS5? Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, or is it divided up, you know, Nintendo direct style things throughout the year? That also makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I might lean on, to be honest, I'll give you one hot take out of this. At least they're going to do a conference and reveal PS5 next year. And it comes out next fall. There's your hot take. You think it's coming in 2019? Interesting. I, I've always thought that there's a good chance of that. Um, I'm not super convicted on it, but I think like I'll still I'll stand by it now. And this to me, that opens a door where I could see that path forming. I guess. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not going to die on the hill and try to convince you of it, but, but I could see that being the thing. Uh, and this is why, and they're kind of opening that path. My I, so. my only counter argument to that, and this is just my my personal logical approach. And like you've said many times before, it, it's something until it's not, or it's nothing until it is. Um, right. <laughs> or yeah, I, there's a there's a more articulate phrase. Yes, that's famous, but, but you know uh, what I mean. 
Yeah, I, I get the gist of it. So, it doesn't make sense to me why you would announce a console, not be at E3, and then release it in the yeah. fall. Yeah. So, I'm with... It's a with, little weird. I see it. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm with you 100%, except for the year. I think that exact thing's going to happen, but they're going to be at E3 and it's going to be 2020. That's just mm-hmm. my take on it. Um, where do you fall on, like, there's a weird thing that people are saying that they're not doing E3, so that way PSX 2019 could be grand. I don't, I'm not buying that either. I don't think, I, I think, like you said, the, the, the money is going to go maybe towards a different event or something, but I don't think it's shifting to PSX 2019. I don't think I don't that's know. what it is. That, I think that makes some sense. Probably not. A pure trade-off of like, well, E3 is basically now, you know, their E3 is all, all those resources are put into well, PSX. I don't think it's going to be a yeah. pure trade, but I would, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the lack of presence at E3 means, you know, a much grander. I could see that a much grander PSX just, next year. It makes sense. I just so here, here's my my thinking. I don't think they would announce they would reveal the PS5 at a PSX because it happens at the end of the year. And the way... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that I'm with you on. Yeah. So to me, leading to that though, Dom, I don't know why they would have a PSX before the PS5 is announced if it's so soon. So like, obviously your thinking is that you have a hot take that PS5 is going to be released next year. So it makes sense to have a PSX after it releases, right? The way I'm coming from it is obviously I don't think PS5 is releasing next year. So why would they have a PSX three or four months before the PS5 is announced? You know what I mean? That's weird to me. That's why I really kind of don't believe PSX 2019 is happening. It's because it's like, well, what's the point of having that a couple of months before you do your blowout event? Because we know we're seeing Last of Us, Death Stranding, and Ghost of Tsushima at that PS5 event, right? Are you with me on that? They're going to be yeah. showpieces. Yeah. I, I guarantee that. you there will be there will be a vertical slice of probably God of War Horizon sequel, something. There will be a vertical slice of one of those games. I guarantee it. Some little, little animation running on the PS5. I almost guarantee it. It's just weird. To, I don't see the point... I can see them doing a community PSX, more like low stakes. I don't see them doing a blowout PSX a couple of months before they reveal the PS5. That just doesn't make sense to me. Because with, in my, in, what I would think is they'd want to do PS5, blow that thing out. E3, show some stuff, obviously get people hyped up. Fall, launch the console. That PSX, give announcements for 2021, in my theory, right? And just hype it up that way. I don't know. It's just it's a very interesting thing. Like you said, I don't think everything leads to something else. I don't think the mm-hmm. fact they're not doing E3 immediately leads to PSX being huge or PS5 being literally right around the corner. Doesn't mean it isn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, we're reacting to this the day the news is happening. There could be a statement that comes out tomorrow where Sean Layden says, right. oh, we're coming back in 2020. Don't worry about it, fans. We're reacting to it as it's happening. There will be an update probably that happens by next Thursday. <laughs> where there's some statement that clarifies something. Um, who knows? But that's just us reacting off the cuff. I think you did a pretty good job. Dom, you're more level-headed and quote-unquote boring. Yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily tin hatty, but I like to have like a strong stance on it, just the way I am. I'll give um, you one more. I'll give you one more. Um, the Their uh, upcoming lineup, for exclusive games at least, um, potentially being sparse in the next year or two, or like you know, are they going to show the same thing they've been showing, like another uh, Last of Us trailer, or whatever? I don't think that necessarily played into that this too much. We're like, oh, we don't have that much new to show anyway, so we won't do it. I don't think that's the case because I think they would have no problems with uh, having a primarily third party or partnership type of show. 
um, I mean, Xbox has proven the past like two or three years that you can have an awesome show without having like killer exclusives um, and you know big exclusive yes. showings. Basically, agree so with I, you. But, but I mean, I think I don't think that's a huge part of it. It might be some part of it playing into their overall marketing strategy. But yes, I don't know that that's kind of the sole reason. But I have to give a counter argument to that: that the last two years, Sony isn't about third party. They have all first party stuff and a couple of third party games. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're looking at it from the way they approach E3, and the way they approach E3 is it's a showcase of our games with our biggest third party partners. If you're going to tell me the only games you have to show next year without release dates are the games you showed this year, then I understand from their perspective, well, then it'd be a show of Call of Duty, Destiny expansion, and then other third parties that aren't... It just it seems like PlayStation's approach isn't that. I agree with you. If their approach was we have a bunch of first parties and a bunch of third parties, then I'd be like, oh, yeah, they'd be willing to just do a show where it's a couple of sneak peeks and then strong third party. But that's not how PlayStation has approached it the last, like, two or three years. You know what I mean? They see it more as a showcase of themselves. So for me, that's what leads me to believe it's a mix of them feeling like, well, we're known for showcasing amazing games, our amazing games, plus a couple of third parties. We don't have that this year. Let's just blech. We have PS5 coming up. We'll knock it out of the park. No problem. You know what I mean? I think it's a mixture of things. I agree with you. That point is very valid of like, it's not that I don't think they could host a show with third party support. Duh. Like you said, Xbox has been doing it. It's been really strong. They're just maybe reluctant to because that's not their thing. Their approach. They want to exactly. They want to be like, oh, look what we got ourselves. Like, yeah. And if they can't bring it, then they ain't gonna show up. Basically, exactly. Like, yeah. I agree. See, I think you're right. I just the way I see their approach. Yeah. So. Honestly, I mean, now that we talk about it, I'm like I can see that almost just as much. Like I'm so I'm too wishy washy on the fence <laughs> yeah. on that's this fine. shit because like I get there's I I can see the points on like all these different takes. I'm like. Yeah, that makes some sense. Exactly. That also makes some sense. I there's can see why w- that doesn't make sense. There's weight behind all of it. Like, nothing is yeah. vehemently like, oh, that's definitely wrong. <laughs> and yeah. that's a tough thing. That's what makes it so interesting. I uh, guess, if nothing else, they got us talking about it. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm very interested to see what Xbox does with that platform. We didn't even really touch on that, and we're running long. Oh, yeah. But they have an opportunity to just have it to them. Obviously, Nintendo's going to be there, too. But Nintendo, Nintendo handles things differently. Um I'm excited for Xbox, but the tough thing is I don't think the the burdens on Xbox, it could be that they're still doing E3, but what if their plan is to show up at, you know, the next year too for, uh, oh man, it's, I, man, Dom, imagine if we had a camera to see Phil Spencer the moment he heard this news, which he probably already knew about this for a couple of months. I doubt they found out about this today. Um, I guarantee you they probably knew just by handling with ESA and, you know, paperwork and information going back Good and point. forth. Um, I wonder how they felt about it because they were a little cheeky on Twitter, which is good. Take advantage of the free PR. But, uh, man, th- I, Sony not being at E3 sucks. I, I feel that way. I, I love seeing Sony at E3. But it does give everyone else a little bit more spotlight, which is cool for one year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. Anyways, that has been our show in terms of what we're going to be playing Red Dead for me, I'm going to try to finish it this week, hopefully. Um, I'm I'm waiting for uh, Spyro, because I'm just, I want to see if there's maybe even like a 10% discount for Black Friday. I'm, I'm willing to pay full price for it, but I'm like, it's like two weeks from Black Friday, might, not, might as well just wait. Hopefully I can pick up that for like 10% off or whatever and get God of War for cheap too. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Nothing else on the horizon. Um, Zero Dawn I'll handle next year. Um, what about you, Dom? Uh, just Fallout 76. 
Going in. Going in. You you need to send me a screenshot when you create your character. I want to see that bad boy in the in the seventy six vault on Reclamation Day. Are you? I'm hyped, dude. I have I'm a question. Hyped. When you handle character creators, do you go like I'm just creating a character, or do you do the I'm creating me? I don't really have a hard. I don't know. I I don't have a hard thing. I'm so boring <laughs> today, dude. Um, so, for example, every time I load up a game in uh, in Skyrim, I'm like, I want to be a Khajiit this time. I want to finally do it, right? I want to be a cat person, or I want to be an Argonian. I want to make my lizard character, and I always, when it, when push comes to shove, I'm like, nah, I'm just going to make a freaking Imperial or a Nord with <laughs> long brown hair who's, like, kind of similar to me or whatever. And, like, I always, you know what I mean? I always end up backing out from my, like, inner creativity trying to burst out. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, I, but in Fallout games, I want to make, sometimes I, like, like oh, I want to make a guy that, you know what? It's not like me. It's what I feel like making. Sometimes I'm like, I want a gritty wastelander with like a beard. Gotcha. And, you know, ratty long hair. Sometimes in New Vegas, the one game I played, I made like a, a real like slick looking guy. It's like this dude's going to be hitting the casinos and just wheeling and dealing kind of guy, you know? Yeah. So a real slick dude. Um, so I, I guess I make characters just based on like what I want them to be in the game and not necessarily reflecting myself more often. I'm, I'm the same way. Um, I, I do go for those those choices in Skyrim of going with Argonian or Orc or whatever, but I am with you or like, it's just whatever I feel at the time. If it's yeah. a first-person shooter, I always go with the female character model, smaller hitbox. But uh, other than that, you know, it's just whatever I feel. Um, yeah, it's pretty much it for us. If you can, please follow us on iTunes. Leave us a review. It definitely helps. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us a like if you like the podcast. Follow us on Twitter. At CTRLINT, that's controlled interest abbreviated. I am at Jared underscore. Dom is at Melamotus. Uh, Dom is at Dom's Oreos. <laughs> Jordan is at Melamotus. Forgive me. Uh, yeah, catch us next week when we talk about the latest news uh, when Microsoft decides to pull out E3. Uh, catch you guys next time. Bye.